again, welcome to Amazing Love. Is it all right if we begin with prayer? Would you join with me and ask God to bless the preaching of the word? Uh, Heavenly Father, we go through too much for you not to show up and work powerfully in these moments. Uh, we ask and then again that we could see the beauty of our Savior Jesus and that we would be guided and sustained by his word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning once again, and man, I'm excited to enjoy the weather with you, and spring is finally here. These are good, good things. You know, I believe we live in a world that is very concerned about what is culturally appropriate. Would you agree with me? We have a high radar on what is appropriate and what is not appropriate based on the context we find ourselves in. For example, if I go to the library, it is not culturally appropriate to be loud. Unless I want to stink guy by the librarian. And we have some librarians. We want to keep them in good cause. He's doing a good thing. So don't be loud in the library. It is culturally appropriate to go to a ball game, bring peanuts, deshell them, and throw the shells on the ground. It is not culturally appropriate to do that at your neighbor's house. If you come with peanuts, throw them on the ground, you probably won't be invited back. Um, it is culturally appropriate to look someone in the eye when talking and not to pick your nose unless you are two years old. If you pick your nose during that conversation, it will not go well. Um, everyone knows that the culturally appropriate way to pick your nose is in the car where you think no one can see you, but even though, have you seen that? Everyone is mining for gold. Anyway. We have a high radar on what you can do, what you can't do. Um, I, I consider cell phone usage, and, and I hope they make a law where it's not appropriate to like walk like this in your phone and bump into people. Has anyone ever had to like sway and like, I see you like 50 yards away. If you look up once, maybe we could do this thing. Sorry, that's a pet peeve. Anyway. Well, a cultural appropriateness came up this, this last week when considering a prom. And, and who's been to prom recently? Any, any prom people? Okay. And, 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 and you did Getting dressed up is a big deal, and there was one girl, her name was Kaziah Dom uh, from, from Utah, and, and she, she wore a dress that has created a bit of a controversy. Let, let me show it to you. So Kaziah Dom wore a traditional, but there we go, a traditional Chinese dress, and, um, and people are wondering, uh, for someone who is not Chinese, is this an appropriate garb to wear? Now... Maybe it's just because there weren't any other news stories to publish, but, but it, it does show the example that some people are always wondering, is this or is this not culturally appropriate? And I don't, I don't need to weigh in on that. I just give it an example for, for what our society does. Is this acceptable or is this not? The reason I bring all this up is because we're gathered in church. And sometimes Christians look a little bit different than the rest of the world. In fact, our, our Savior Jesus actually said we should look that way. We shouldn't conform to these standards, but rather we should go against the flow and look a little bit different. And the question I wanted to pose to you this morning is what do we do when living for Christ is culturally inappropriate? It's becoming increasingly so. Let me give you a few examples. I was reading about a nurse in England who was fired because she was a Christian. And the reason she was fired is because there was a cancer patient uh, about to get a treatment, she offered to pray for that patient, and that was enough to, to give her the boot. I, I was reading about a fire chief in Atlanta who wrote a book about his morality, a book about following Jesus, and the fire chief in Atlanta was, was kicked out because some of that morality not everyone wanted to hear. 
I've had my own experiences where I share Jesus and the message of Jesus or the will of Jesus goes over like a lead balloon. And so what do we do when living for Christ is culturally inappropriate? Because increasingly so, I think it will be. We will be weird looking. We will be not normative to what everyone else is doing. Well, some of you are sitting there and saying, Pastor, this must be a short sermon. Um, We do it anyway, right? Okay, let's go home. Springtime. But I'm sorry, we've we got we to work out a little bit, because I know you know the answer, which is what uh, the, the New Testament writers said, we must obey God rather than men. But, but you might know that following Christ, there is a drastic difference between the head knowledge of it and actually doing it. Knowing the answer and actually implementing the answer. And so I think we need to spend a little bit more time digging into the Word of God, because the true way that we get past this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the answer for our power. The Holy Spirit could be the phrase for how to be brave. How am I brave? The Spirit. How do I make progress? The Spirit. How do I live for Christ? The Spirit. And the Spirit works through the Word. So let's dive into that powerful Word. You ready? And maybe it won't just be head knowledge, but we'll we'll have the, the gumption and the power from the Spirit to actually follow through. And as we turn to the Word of God, we've been, we've been hearing some incredible stories. I don't know if you were here uh, during Joshua's conquest, and the reason he could go on conquest is because the Lord went with him. I don't know if anyone was here to see Goliath last week. That was pretty cool. And, and why did David beat Goliath? Not because of David, but because he fought for and in the name of the Lord. Well, today we see some crazy cats. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you're looking for baby names, I don't know of better ones, you know. Still waiting for Shadrach. Um, Anyway, um, and and they're so crazy, they're so brave that they say, even if the worst breaks out, we're still living for Christ. Even if if, if it means death, if it means not getting fired but facing a fiery furnace, which is what the implication was, we're going to live for God. We're going to stand up. So let me set up the story a little bit. Um, Right now, the people of God, they were in captivity in Babylon. So they had just seen the demise of their nation. The nation was just overthrown, and they're exiles in Babylon. It's not a time of power. It's actually probably more of a time when you should blend in because you're slaves in a country not your own. And what happened is that King Nebuchadnezzar, he set up this statue, this idol. And and the statue looked like this. It was 90 feet tall, and it was made of gold. That's a lot of gold. And what happened is that when music played, everyone, the cultural thing to do was to bow down to that idol of gold. The only thing is, three of them didn't. When everyone else was bowing down, because that's what the king said, they didn't. They stood their ground. And this was a problem because other people saw them and other people were tattletales. They said those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those who are actually in your office, they were officers in that kingdom, they're not doing what you told them. And what we find is what happens next. That's the word of God for us today. Let's get into it. You ready? All right, so digging into the word of God, here we go. So the king said, you know, after they didn't bow down, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, and pipe, all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made you, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Didn't he learn from Goliath not to trash talk God? This is, this is not set up well for him. Anyway, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I love that. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if, can you say even if? Even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's not the answer he wanted to hear. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter, which is that when it turns blue, you know, or, or something. I forget fire, but seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to, be, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. And I don't know why this detail was given, but I just think that those are all flammable things, <laughs> right? As, as the scripture was narrating, uh, those are all going to go up. Well, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers. You go against God, you lose, he doesn't who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the sons of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Servants of the Most High God, his tune is changing. Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire even on them. That's incredible. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. That's a great confession coming out of the mouth of an unbeliever. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. No other God can save in this way. What a great God that we serve. Hopefully you saw a bit of his greatness. We get to dig into that today. And can you turn to the person next to you and tell him, even if, even if, even if. Ready to dig in? For Kat and I's 10-year anniversary, we went away to Mexico and had some, some great memories. And one of them was going to Chichen Itza, and we uh, went to a tourist trap. Has anyone ever been to a tourist trap? I wish there was a better way of describing it, but we knew it was a tourist trap. And in our bus were people who were from Mexico, and they kind of knew what was going on. And so I was careful to observe what they did do and what they didn't do in the tourist trap. For example, when we got back on the bus, uh, people, the locals, were, were handing around free drinks. And they had a song to sing, and, and they wanted everyone, and they were pretty um, amiable to give you the free drink, and who doesn't want a free drink? So here it is. But I noticed that the people who were from there did not take the free drink, and I was wondering why. Well, I soon found out that this free drink was a setup to buy this bottle of liquor, which was the drink that you drank, with your picture on it. And I don't know if they, uh, you know, had privacy policies there or not, 
didn't seem like it, but there they had already taken our picture, put it on the liquor bottle, and it was a setup for us to get the drink. So the couple who were from there, they knew not to take the drink because this was all just a setup. They knew something we didn't know. The reason I bring this up, I have a point to my story, is because Shadrach, Meshach, and Bengo, they know something that is dictating their actions that, that no one else seems to know, and, and yet they're driven by. And this is what I believe leads them to do something differently. What is it that they know? Here it is. That God's way is always right, regardless. God's way is always right, regardless. That is a good principle to live by. Regardless of people say, regardless of the consequences, regardless if it's easy or not, God's way is always right, regardless. And I love how they presented that to to the king Nebuchadnezzar. One of the passages that struck me is when they said to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You know, at Amazing Love, sometimes we've talked about living for an audience of one. That there is only one voice we should hear above every other voice. That there is only one voice that matters for eternity. Only one voice that determines our destiny. And they were living for that one saying we don't need to defend ourselves. We're living for God's way, and that's right regardless. And it reminds me when we do this, we might also look a little bit different as they stuck out like sore thumbs. If we're informed by the knowledge of God, we might culturally go against the flow. I was reminded of this by watching uh, Good Morning America and seeing just a phenomenal couple. Um, the, the couple's name were uh, Emily, um, Emily and, and, and Corey Norton. Now, it was Corey's desire to stand for his wedding day. A little bit about their background. Um, He had been paralyzed from a a football injury uh, from the waist down, but he was so committed to try to walk down the aisle for his wedding day with his bride, Emily. Now, that is brave. That is courageous. It's not really going against the flow, though. What I wanted to draw your attention to is actually Corey's bride, Emily. For Emily decided to get engaged to someone who was going to be paralyzed the rest of his life. Emily not only did that, but this couple, um, they, they adopted five foster kids under the age of eight. Five foster kids under the age of eight. And Emily on national TV had this to say. She said, when you choose to put God first, everything else falls into place. When you choose to do God's way first... And have God's way go right regardless. Everything else can work out. It's kind of scary though. All the things that could happen. Being a foster parent. uh, Being a caretaker in in many ways for your future husband. It's kind of scary. And yet she even said that her life has never been easier. Not that it isn't busy. But that she has finally found her purpose. And so God has blessed it. That's pretty awesome. So for us, I'm just wondering, how well are we doing at choosing God's way regardless? Saying, if God says it's right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. Jesus, he said this, he said, first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things will be given to you as well. But something I'm very real with is that, You can't make everyone happy. 
And sometimes living for the Lord will not mean the happiness of other people. You may have heard this before coming to church. You can't make everyone happy. I found a, a very cute saying um, on Pinterest. You can't make everyone happy. You're not a pizza. Yes. But even pizza can't do that because they're gluten-free people. But in general, pizza can. Right? And, and I, I consider in my own life that when you have kids, you know, you know this dynamic where you can't make everyone happy? You've been there? Like if I take Nadia to Sky Zone, she'll be happy, but Bella not so much. If I take the whole family to a bookstore, Bella will be happy, but Nadia not so much, right? If we go out for ice cream, that's Nadia's, but, but Bella not so much. It's just all these different things, right? Putting them on the spot. <laughs> Doing a good job. She likes ice cream. Okay, so everyone wins but Dad for ice cream. All right. But you can't make everyone happy. And, and then we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and I think that's what's driving them once again. Because they're going to follow God. And maybe we have a new phrase. I can't make everyone happy because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I think Jesus even warned us about that. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their, their response again was this. Is that, sorry, they, they were going to again choose not King Nebuchadnezzar, but the King of Kings. And, and so again, here's my point. Choose God's approval over anyone else. It's always the right choice. It's always the right choice. Choose God's approval. Make him happy regardless of anyone else. Now in the New Testament, we see this coming true because at the end of our life, there's only one voice that matters. In Mark 8, it says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. If we choose what the crowd wants, it doesn't always make our God happy. So friends, how good are you at being weird culturally? At being culturally inappropriate in order to please God? It's hard. The pressures are real. I found it easy to cave in, whether it be what I say, whether it be what I do, because of what I know the circumstance is asking me of. I can't tell you I've always been perfect like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and maybe you could admit that too. So today's a day of repentance for all the times we've caved. But now I want to focus your attention no longer on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but on our Savior Jesus. You know what's so great about our Savior? He stands up for us, even when we're not willing to stand up for Him. He claims us, even in the times that we don't want to claim Him. One of the great passages of the New Testament says, My dear children, I write to this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, if you do fall down, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. How awesome that he comes and speaks on our behalf every time we sin. And this Jesus would face the real fire. Seven times hotter than hell as he bore not only the Father's forsakenness, but also the cross for our sakes. Also that I could remind you, you are forgiven because of Jesus. You have a right standing because of his name. And you are saved not because of the value of your confession and the boldness of your confession, but you are saved because you cling to the name of Jesus who stood up for you. And this is true for all of us. This gospel message that we are forgiven freely because of what Jesus did on our behalf. How awesome we have a Savior who never fails to defend us. 
But there's more we can learn from this lesson. And as we continue on a little bit, um, I want to talk a little bit about the worst-case scenarios and worst-case scenario thinking. Have you ever been caught up in worst-case scenario thinking? This can happen before you travel. For example, before you travel, you might say, well, I, I don't want to get on the plane because something could happen bad on the plane. Even though you know the statistic that more people get hurt in car accidents, but I don't want to get out on the plane. Or, or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to leave home because someone might break into my house. And we here don't post things on Facebook because people are watching and, and they might break in. And so I don't want to leave home, let's just stay, stay put. Or maybe you're thinking, I don't want to go to Hawaii, there's volcanoes there. And those volcanoes can erupt. That's because of all these worst case scenarios that we don't want to do a thing. Right? That's why I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are looking at the worst case scenario that they might die, and yet they're still saying, even if that happens, we're going to go. What I love is their confession. It says, if we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I love that they handle that worst-case scenario with hope. Even if that would happen, we're still going to follow God. And we've got to talk about that a little bit today, too. How do we handle your what-ifs, your worst-case scenarios with hope? So let me set up a worst-case scenario. Let's just work through you're in Hawaii, and this is what you see. Now, if you're on vacation, what's the worst thing that can happen? You call your vacation short a little bit. And are you going to make it even if your vacation gets cut short? I, vacations get cut short all the time, right? What about this? What happens if you're living there and your home um, is, is disrupted and, and maybe gets burnt by the lava and you no longer have a home? W w what's the answer? Is God still going to provide? Was Jesus a homeowner? Does he still know how to give you what you need no matter if that would happen? And what if you lose your life? Let's say it erupted and that lava flow came on you. What happens then? That's the worst case scenario. Well, God says, hello, good to see you. Called you in a pretty miraculous way, huh? Wow. Okay, so that's just Hawaii and a volcano. What about the real things in our life? What if I lose a job? Does that ever happen? Sure does. Does losing your job stop the providence of an almighty God? Is his arm too short? Has he not been faithful in the past? What if I lose a relationship? Well, that's hard. But won't God still be the strength of your heart and your portion forever? Wasn't he your first love to begin with? And isn't he the, the way that, that life really works when, when he's sustaining our hearts anyway? What if I'm dealing with chronic pain or depression? Can God not give us endurance? Can God not give us patience? Can he not change the season? And can he not someday change the story? You know, we don't live with earthly mentalities. We live with an eternal perspective. And knowing that heaven is our home, and knowing that we are like the grass up one day and gone the next, we live knowing that anything we go through, 
is both light and momentary. It is light not, not because God doesn't care, but in the scheme of everything, it doesn't last. And momentary because, again, heaven is our home. Light and momentary, God says. So, so how do we handle our worst-case scenarios? We trust that God is still good. We trust that his promises will still prevail. And that is what led, again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to, to handle that, even if that worst-case scenario. And we got to talk more about trusting and seeing God's deliverance in the even if. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't just have a story. I came across the story of one of my own buddies um, who, who had an even-if scenario. Can I tell you a story? We went to our 10-year reunion a, a couple weeks ago, and there was a pastor flying down from New York uh, named Pastor Tim Borman. He and his wife got on a southwest flight, but during the flight, one of the engines blew up. The oxygen masks came down from the ceiling. Everyone was terrified. Everyone in the plane thought, this is the end. There is no way we make it. In fact, Pastor Tim, he said he was calling his, his kids and, and basically saying his goodbyes. The engine blew up. But Pastor Tim, he had prayed to God. And Pastor Tim actually made it and was interviewed by Anderson Cooper over his experience. So you can Google this and find it. And one of the things he prayed, here's a quote. He said, I just said, Jesus, would you send your angels? And he did. And they were able to make an emergency landing. And the only one who lost their life was someone who went out because of cardiac arrest. But everyone else was, again, safe even when the engine blew up. And the confession of faith he, he gave to Anderson Cooper was also this, that I knew that my God was going to take care of me one way or another. Because when even if happens, and we are in the worst case scenarios, it doesn't stop the power of God. And what is the one way? The one way could have been calling Tim home. It could have been saying, hello, wanted to see you. The other way happened to be preserving his life in the midst of a nasty scenario, when everyone else thought this was the end. We have that same God who is going to take care of us one way or another. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew. And then they saw the deliverance of God. As they were in the fiery furnace, King Nebuchadnezzar saw, wow, God has angels. There is one like the Son of God. And then look how they came out from that furnace. As they came out, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I can't grill out without the smell of the, the grill coming out on me. I can't go to a campfire without flame and smoke being part of me. But these guys were so protected by the Lord, and the deliverance was so complete that none of that happened. Friends, I think we have knowledge that should compel us even more than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, they found themselves in the midst of captivity. They found themselves when the heyday of Israel had gone away. We found ourselves living in the wake and the reality of the resurrection. Shouldn't we be even more bold to live and trust in a God in the even if? Because that is the story of the New Testament Christians. The New Testament Christians were willing to face the fire and give their lives because they had seen a risen Savior who had conquered death. In fact, when you go through the 12 disciples, there is only one that we know didn't die a martyr's death. 
Let me give just a, a little brief history. So we have one stabbed with the sto- sword, stoned to death, filled with arrows, crucified by soldiers, thrust with the spear, beheaded in Rome, crucified upside down, died a natural death, okay, uh, stabbed with the sword, crucified, flayed and beheaded, crucified on X-shaped cross, crucified in Judea, all of these. Why? Because they lived in the wake and the reality of the resurrection. And through the eyes of faith, that's where we stand. See, we don't need to fear even death itself because we have a God who has conquered it. Friends in Christ, I would love for God to give you a faith that trusts in Him. That He's going to provide, that He's going to get you one way or another. And in the meantime, let's step out in faith. Even when it's culturally weird. Even when no one else is stepping out with us. Let's have the boldness to say that God's way, it is right regardless. And may God so bless you. Amen. Please stand.